This is the Memory Palace of Nate DiMeo. The conductor counted off a one, and a two, and a three, and a four. And the dancers hit the floor. Young, twirling couples. A boy and a girl, her head nuzzled into his neck, his head in her hair, clinging tight. His hands in her hips, her hands in his strong shoulders, ignoring the 4-4-3 step of the foxtrot, their bodies finding their own rhythm, lost in their own world, the boy and the girl. Because they had been dancing for 21 hours. Tiny lights flitted through the room, playing on the faces in the audience, bouncing off the mirror ball that hung over the dance floor. People had come to watch them dance, to stop by the Audubon Ballroom in the 168th on their way to another dance hall, to some Harlem hotspot. They leaned on the railing overlooking the floor, drinking a seltzer or a near beer, sticking some home brew from a flask, maybe some Canadian whiskey. They thought their coworker was talking out of his ass, but he really did have the hookup. They sit on the bleachers and shout cat calls and hang in theirs through the smoke-filled hall to five couples still dancing in the marathon. The crowd's growing larger as the night grows longer. Because nobody wants to miss out on history. Surely some in the audience had already seen it, just a few weeks before, right there on the parquet floor of the Audubon, when Alma Cummings, a 32-year-old dance teacher, just moved to the city from Texas, danced for 27 hours, 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off, burning through six partners on her way to a world record and to an instant celebrity that was a brand new thing and was intoxicating and inspiring and had young men and especially young women lining up at ballrooms and dance halls in New York and Houston and Erie, Pennsylvania, pretty much all over, to get numbers pinned to the backs of their shirts and see if their legs and their shoes could carry them to a cash prize in a moment different from the ones working the assembly line or driving rivets, pulling up lobster traps, whatever. And it brought crowds to see them, to cheer them on, and wonder if they had it in them too. And on this night, near midnight, April 15, 1923, it brought the New York Police Department. They'd been sent to shut it down. A judge had issued an order. There was some old ordinance, something that could be stretched to cover this thing that no one had even imagined when it was written. But somebody had to look out for these kids if they wouldn't look out for themselves, risking injury, dehydration, for an outside shot at some what? I mean, come on. So some promoter could sell tickets and some cigarettes? So men could watch young women while they collapsed, while they fell? So the cops came, and the dancers slipped out the back door and into an alley in the cool night air. The guy who ran the thing had been tipped off, and he arranged for a van. And if he timed it right, they could make it to the pier during their 10-minute break. They could dance their way onto the ferry, with the attempt at the record still alive. And so in the early moments of April 16th, five young couples stepped on a boat on the Hudson to keep their dreams alive and try to make it to New Jersey, like a Bruce Springsteen song in reverse to another ballroom to try and stay on their feet a little longer. And they danced in the cold breeze, moonlight on the river, while they still could. Because someday there'd be kids and babysitters and real jobs and bodies that failed them, bad backs, trick knees. But not tonight, 
They could dance all night. 